GMG in the raw when Ted wants to record. Ted says they want to do a show. You fucking show it. When Jimmy Page says, hey, you want to jam? You grab your fucking axe, you grab your coat, you grab your dope, and you head over to the studio. <laughs> you don't Morning Gala Horde special for you. Guess who's back? Who? <laughs> Pointing the wrong way, bro. Point the other way. Ah, this is with the way I'm recording. This works great. Ted Glover, is the man, the myth, the legend, has joined us once again to record at the yes. end of Countdown Day. To talk your Minnesota Vikings. Ted, how are you doing? Uh, I, I normally would say if I was any better, I'd be against the law. Let's light this candle. I'm, I'm really not. I, I had gallbladder surgery, and I'm really sore. <laughs> but I'm doing okay, all things considered. How are you guys? We're good. Drew, how are you doing? Well, I was just sitting on my ass on the couch about 10 minutes ago, and I saw on the screen... Ted Smitty Glover wrote, "You want to do a show?" And I got, I got up, I got so excited, and my wife says, "That's the same look you have in your face when the McRib comes back. What's going on?" <laughs> I said, "Ted wants to do a show, so Ted says it. We do it. I'm pretty stoked. I'm pretty happy. I don't know what even the cuts have been made today by the Vikings, but I'm glad Ted's all right from his surgery, and." It's nice to have them back, all three of us sitting here talking football again. It's been a long-ass summer. Yes. Yeah, it has. Too long. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me laugh, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's the goal oh. of the day. We can't have oh. Ted laugh. Well, yeah. I'll make, I'll, I'll make it work. <laughs> so what, we're, we're within a week now, right? I mean, we got football. We a got a football tomorrow. a week from Sunday, yes. Yes, wow. we do. Let the anger begin. <laughs> Are you guys fired up, like, about football season starting? Not as I normally am, but I still, I am, yeah. I am because I'm, you know what, Ted, football was my first love. I mean, not to get too drawn out on it. I, I would like, I've been in love with football since I was five years old. Longer than any relationship I've ever had. It's been me and football through thick and thin. So when it gets to be about a week from... I get excited. I always will because I love the game. But it certainly has a different feel to it, yes, this year. Dave? Yeah, I'm starting to. I think I think the Vikings have a very good team, especially without their – they've got an Achilles heel on the offense. But besides that, that offense looks like it's going to be potent. And I think the defense will be better than we anticipate. And I think that's going to be a wonderful thing. And then take that after today, if we take a quick trip around two of the three teams in the NFC North Division, there was up in that team from Wisconsin, 
One of the receivers that Aaron Rodgers said he was sure to make the team, a veteran that had been with the team, was cut. And it was almost like as the if the front office was trolling, said Aaron Rodgers, which I found amusing. And then <coughs> again, on the amusing front, the Chicago Bears, who guaranteed Nick Foles like $21 million, has chosen Mitch Trubisky to be the week one starter. Can, can, can you imagine being a Bears fan right now? Oh, you got to be pulling your hair out. You, you could have had Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. You could have had Teddy Bridgewater, who I think is better than Foles and, and Trubisky. Uh, and I, uh, Brady, probably not. Uh, probably a long shot for Brady. But there were there were several quarterbacks out on the market this offseason that you could have gone after and pursued and gotten. And, and you decided, no, you know what? It's going to be Nick Foles. And then to have him lose to Mitch Trubisky. This sounds funny, dude. Like, come on. Are you kidding me? And you're paying him like on $21 million. So we, Yeah. So we open up the show ripping on that team from Wisconsin and then calling the Bears out on something stupid. Two teams we, we haven't beat the last four times we played them. Well, yeah, fair point. Yeah, Trubisky's <laughs> two in one lifetime against us. Yeah, <laughs> Don't kill my uh, buzz. What, was that the... Wink, 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 Hey, who, no, was I, the, who was the receiver the Packers cut? Please tell me it was Devontae Adams. Uh, <laughs> no, it wasn't Devontae Adams. I think it was Boyd Dowler. Boyd um, Dowler. <laughs> I don't know who it was. Greg Jennings? Kumaro? No. <laughs> Some guy with three I think names. It's wasn't that Scantling? Yeah, what's that opening. Kumaro guy? You know, if you look at their, their wideouts, Ted, oh, man, it's horrible, dude. Look at their depth chart. You know, they're – their wide receiver group outside of Devontae Adams is probably worse. Oh, like I mean, you, you could, you could say, I, I'm still not sold on the Vikings' depth at wide receiver. I, I, I love Adam Thielen. I think, you know, reading what I did about Justin Jefferson in, in training camp, it seems like <clears throat> he's going to be pretty good. Um, so there's there's at least hope and potential there. I, if if you're the Packers outside of Devontae Adams, you. Man, you don't even really have that, I don't think, do you? No, it's it's uh, stems and seeds, as we used to say. <laughs> Remember those days of stems and seeds? I, um, I no idea what you're talking about, Amigo. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay. Um, so I guess one of the topics will be, I don't know really what Dave wanted to cover since this was kind of thrown together show, but going into that Viking game or starting the season, what are we feeling good about and what are we not feeling good about in terms of the team i mean i know the final cuts today maybe you want to go over the cuts today i don't know i don't want to steer the show sackles can steer the show he steers everything well it's up to ted this is a this is a spur of the moment ted glover special Ted, what are we talking about i want to talk about the vikings seeming inability year after year after year to adequately address the offensive line because if you look if you look at the offense you got to like Cousins. I think Cousins is a very capable quarterback. They've got really good running back depth. You've got, you know, Cook, Madison is back. Mike Boone, Admir Abdullah made the team. They cut Tony James, Tony Brooks James. Um, a little questionable on depth of wide receiver, but you've still got Thielen. You got Jefferson, BC Johnson maybe. Um, Dylan Mitchell's got some potential, I think. Tight ends are solid. 
but but then you get to the offensive line. Bradbury's going to be back. I think he's going to be better. Um, one of the most mystifying things, and, and fellas, I, I'm I'm a guy I, I'm a guy that believes in science. I'm not into the mystical arts. But one of the things that will mystify me now until the end of time is why did the Vikings trade for Brett Jones a couple years ago? <laughs> Played him like two or three games. Didn't didn't even activate him half the time he was on the roster. Resigned him, and and then they recut him. They, he's gone. The Brett Jones era is dead. Long live the Brett Jones era. Until he gets resigned again. God, they've got their guards. Their their guards are Dakota Dozier, Pat Elfline, and Drew Samia. Um, Ezra Cleveland, or maybe or maybe Ezra Cleveland. I don't. Know, is he starting the left guard? Apparently, no. He's you, back you, up you, at left guard. You 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 draft you draft Ezra Cleveland in the second round to be your starting left tackle of the future. You keep Riley Reef. Then you, you you tell Riley Reef to walk the plank. Three or four days ago, he's like, "No, what? You know what? I want to remain a pirate if that's okay with you guys. I'll take the pay cut." It's just it's comical. It's freaking comical. I don't get it. I just I just don't get the Vikings' offensive line. I don't the think way, they can explain the way it they to you, Seth. I, I don't even think they can explain it to him if you called him and asked him on it. It's too confusing. Um, do, have they even set the offensive line, Ted? I mean, we're a week away from kickoff. Is the offensive line set yet? I, I Yeah, I believe it's – and Dave, correct me if I'm wrong. You've probably been following this more than I have, but it's Reef at your, as your left tackle. Um, Dakota Dozier – yeah, that's right. Dakota Dozier is your starting <laughs> left guard. Uh, Bradbury. Oh, God. Uh, uh, right guard is, I believe – Pat Elfline. Yes, in his third position. Yes. And then and then Brian O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Who 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 they were gonna move the left tackle mm-hmm. when they right. were uh telling Riley Reef to, to walk the plank. So I don't know. I you know, you and the thing is you look at the starters, they they have really talented guys everywhere. Uh, I didn't even mention tight ends. I think Irv Smith Jr. and Kyle Rudolph are are really good, gonna play big parts of the offense. We talked about the wide receivers, Dalvin Cook is Dalvin Cook. Kirk Cousins had a great year last year, and you expect more of it this year. And it all, again, once again, with this team, again, is the friggin' offensive line, man. I just, I, their inability to, to deal with this offensive line once and for all just mystifies me. Same I mean, question the, every if, year. If Dakota Dozier is your answer, what is your friggin' question that you're asking? Please, please tell me what the question is. I totally missed having Ted Glover on this show, dude. <laughs> I swear to God, dude. He's awesome. Um, I'll, I'll mention something to you that I talked to Dave about when we did another. We were doing another show a few days ago, and I'll ask you the same question. Remember when the season ended terribly in San Francisco for all of us? Uh, about a week later, we have that you know that press conference they have going out the door, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Zimmer, they was asked directly, "What is the what was the problem or the downfall of this team?" And he didn't even, he didn't, like, talk his way around the question or anything. He said the offensive line isn't good enough. That's what he said. And I was very, I was, I was pretty stoked that he was so clear and concise and he didn't mince his words. He said the offensive line needs to get better. It's not good enough. That's what he said. So the yeah. fact that we, everything that you just said, the fact that, that it just seems like, is it better than it was last year right now? I don't see how it can be. I mean, but he, I, but he said it was the problem. He, that's yes. what he said. Yes. Doesn't feel better to me. No. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Sorry. Well, if you said it's going to be better, I'll, all I'm asking is just to follow through. If you if you said that that was the problem, I want to see some strides on if it is better. It doesn't feel any better to me. I guess we got to wait and maybe see what happens. Of course we do, but I don't know. I don't know, Dave, really, when we talked about it, if you gave me an answer, but you agreed with me that it was probably about the oh, same. Oh, no, I, I went on a sort of mini rant about how since 2014 this line has fallen apart and they have never gotten it right and it and it mystifies me why they do that it's it's unbelievable now do you think Dakota Dozier is going to take a step up this year do you think Pat Elfline back to the position he pay, played most of the time at the Ohio State he'll play better at right guard or is it all for nothing? Are we all Here, still going to be, you know, screaming that they got pressure up the middle again or that Riley Reef gets beat around the edge by speed guys? Here, here's what aggravated me. You, you knew you knew going into from from the time leading up to the draft, once, once the COVID-19 pandemic hit, you knew you were going to have a really weird, funky, non-standard offseason. Sure. And – and the, the the what's the one the one area of the offense that needs the most continuity and practice together is the offensive line. And 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 when you have no OTAs, you have no mini camps, you have no preseason games to, to measure progress or success. I, I would argue that maybe you needed to settle on on who your guys were going to be from early on. I, I mean. And and what the Vikings were doing was they were moving O'Neal from right tackle to left tackle. They were dorking only, around with that Riley only contract. A couple days. Well, but they were still doing it, and they they were they were moving. <laughs> well, it's because moved, Reef wasn't there. He was they were, out. They were they were moving guys. Yeah, he wasn't there because he wasn't practicing because they told him to take a pay cut, or they were going to friggin' cut him. I, I mean, why? And why I ex- I expected that? him. Why did they walk? not make that move with Reef? Make that ultimatum. Right after the draft, and and if you're going right. to go with that for Cleveland, I mean, I I Wait. I'm still a big I, I'm a big I I don't know about a big Reef supporter, but I, I still think Riley Reef is a league average guy. But if you're going to make the move to go to Ezra Cleveland and just bite the bullet and let him learn on the job, then you do it early and you move on and and you take that money that you saved with Reef and maybe find an interior offensive lineman or go back. Um, uh, the guy's name they had last year at right guard, and I, I, I'm on drugs, and it's it's a Klein, right Klein, Klein. You know, hey Josh, why don't you think about maybe coming back? I, they, I just think they've, they've, they botched this, the handling of the offensive line in every way possible from the end of the season up till now, and we have. Does that would argue sound like big since questions? Two thousand fifteen. With the sentence that Ted just said. Makes me think of that press conference again. He said I, that was the problem, and he was gonna that, that they needed to make that better. I mean, do you think Dakota Dozier is going to be better than than Pat Offline was? Is last Dakota year? Dozier in there because he's the only guy, or is the talent is the reason he's in there? We don't know. They haven't played. They they they've scrimmaged. They haven't. They have had no preseason games. We don't know. I mean, when he was in last year, I was not impressed with him. Maybe he made a step up in the offseason. We'll see. We're going to find out pretty damn quick, Smitty. <laughs> find out week one. <laughs> so Yannick and Gakwe going, 
going past Reef like a <laughs> like a. <clears throat> Did you see that on the highlights? That was Rashad Hill on those highlights. He was running Rashad around. Hill. All right. Yeah, but, it, guy. It, but it'll be the same against Reef. Reef has a hard time with speed rushers. A lot of guys do, though. You uh, need, I mean, Ngakwe is a speed rusher. Dave wants Ezra in there, Ted, right now. Start him. Get him in there. He he can he can stay between the speed rusher and the quarterback. That's what I want. Now, Ezra's problem is he'll get beat on with power. But until he beefs up. They think he's a guard. Yeah, I mean, why are we even talking about Ezra Cleveland, future left tackle, when they played him at left guard through almost all of training camp? I don't draft, get it. I just don't get it. Exactly. And then they moved O'Neal over to left we guard. We drafted Samir. We did do that already. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's, a, that's taken care of. And then uh, they moved O'Neal over to left tackle while Reef was gone those two days. <laughs> Which may tip their hand. I think he. I think O'Neal would be a great left tackle as you know well what? as a right tackle. But you drafted Ezra Cleveland as a left tackle. What's that, Dave? What about Cleveland as a left tackle? You, that's what they drafted him as. Apparently not. They had to play uh, yeah. left tackle since he got to the camp. I know. It's just. Hey, yeah. that's Coach Dennison. He's the offensive line and run coordinator coach. And it, this is the first time we discussed it on the previous show. This is the first time since Zimmer took over that they have the same line coach two years in a row. Still, uh, still that looking for the time. Still looking, still looking for the offensive line uh, that runs his own blocking scheme that can handle uh, bigger, stronger defensive lines. Still waiting for that line to show up. You know, Hasn't happened in NFL history. Zimmer Zimmer has proven something to me since 2014. That guy knows how to build and run a defense and keep it consistently top 10. When it comes to offense, it's like me playing bass in a studio. I'm ripping out some bass lines. Yeah, tearing it up. And then the guy comes in and says, here, Drew, we need you to play this fucking accordion on this song. And me going, <laughs> hey, what do I do now? That's almost what the offensive defense is like to Zimmer. He's been trying to trying to delegate responsibility over there with all these coordinators and all these line coaches and nothing's nothing's gelled and nothing's worked but you know he doesn't know so <laughs> he's doing the best he can to find somebody who knows and apparently it hasn't it just hasn't been the same on that side of the ball as it has for the defense the, the lack of continuity on the offensive line uh, has been I would argue Mike Zimmer's one Achilles heel since he's been the coach. I mean, I, I he's been a great coach. He, he's he's <clears throat> the franchise. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I think he's in a much better spot than when he took over. Um, but man, if if he can if he can solve the great pyramid that's that's the offensive line, the, the Vikings will have something going. I, I I I'm still maybe maybe he should go find the guy who rebuilt the Colts line and hire him away because yeah maybe. Four years ago, they had garbage on their line. Garbage, trash, and whatever other word you want to throw in there. Now, it's a powerful offensive line. In a matter of a couple seasons, they fixed it. It won. So, they, they did an extreme makeover, and they went from one of the worst to, I think, a top 10 unit overall. And the, it can be done. Getting Kelly out of Alabama and then following it up with the big kid from Notre Dame, uh, Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson. 
and then the Brandon Smith from Auburn. I mean, those are three good, yeah, but great guys. Like Quentin there, Nelson, you know? you've got to lose a lot of games before you're picking that high. Either that yeah. or you've got to twist. He's a generational Rick's, guard. Yeah, twist Rick Spielman's arm to trade up, use some of those 400 draft choices and trade up. Now, and Quentin's a Randall McDaniel type of era player. You're not going to find those guards hanging. I understand that, but. We should be a lot further along, I think, is what Ted's saying that we are now. I mean, Spielman Spielman took over as GM as as the sole player personnel GM guy in 2012. Yes, it's now 2020, mm-hmm. and and every year we still have these these well, same Spiel, questions about Spielman the has two faults. One, he can't draft a <laughs> wide receiver high that seems to do anything. Uh, two, he can't put together an offensive line to save himself. And three, he has, he misses on quarterbacks, all except for one whose knee exploded. Now, but since you've been gone so long, Ted, what do you think of the defense and the youngsters that are going to be playing this year? Uh, I, I got to say, the, the defense is always going to be good. I, I, I think um, – well, I, I didn't really say that at, at at the draft. I was very concerned about the defensive backs. Um, I, I thought the defensive line would be okay with with the Neil Hunter and and Afedia Denigbo. Um, they had a, I thought they had a really good draft. They got DJ Wanham. Um, but that trade for and and if I butcher this name, I apologize. Yannick Ngakwe is that how he is that how it's pronounced? It's unique. Unique Ngakwe. But I, I was looking at some stuff about him, and, and do you realize uh, over the last four years since 2016, him and Hunter have as many quarterback pressures as Khalil Mack? I mean, the Vikings have essentially two Khalil Macks lining up on their defensive line now. That's That should be terrifying for the rest of the NFL. And I, I'm kind of I'm kind of concerned about the interior offensive line since uh, – <laughs> Michael Sharp opted out of the season. I uh, can't blame him for doing that. Michael you know, Pierce. if you got a who did I say? Sharp. Whatever. Whatever the guy's name is. <laughs> Michael the, Pierce. The dude they signed from Baltimore. Yes. Um uh yeah, I so I'm kind of worried about the interior line. Um but I, I I like I like the Hunter um Ngakwe combo and I think the defensive backs are going to be they they've looked by all accounts pretty good. In, in training camp, and, and Drew, I think you might have hit the nail on the head about Cameron Dantzler. Yeah, it, uh, I did a draft research on him. I actually was more impressed when I looked at more tape after we drafted him, but that guy, there's something about, some guys just have a natural feel, and he just looks like he's going to, I think he's going to end up being our, our best corner in the long run, but I feel a lot better about the corners than the situation even after you know Rhodes and Wayne's left of course you're thinking you lose your two starting corners it's time to get a little paranoid bringing in a bunch of young bucks but so I'm feeling pretty good about the corner group Gladney and was it or was it Hughes and Hill that won the that won the starting jobs it was Hill and Hughes, Hughes right Hughes and Hill are your two starters once they go to nickel Hughes most likely will move inside and then you'll have Dantzler or Gladney come on the outside now, Gladney's also being trained on the inside in case Hughes gets hurt again. And what I like about it is that Dantzler matches up against the big wide receivers 
and Gladney matches up against the little shifty ones. So we may see a rotation this year, like sort of like we did last year, where they use both of those. Well, isn't it isn't it like seventy percent of the snaps now? You got three corners on the field, yes. isn't that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you got yeah. You're, you almost, you're a nickel. You almost got to say three corners every year. You almost got to say that is a normal thing now. And I mean, Holton Hill had a good camp, and he matches up. He's six two, like Dantzler. He'll match up against the big guys, and you know Hughes is smaller, but he's. From when he's healthy, he shows well. He shows flashes of being ab- absolutely outstanding. It, so it looks I'm good. Really interested, I'm really interested to see Hughes this year. I, I think he's finally healthy. Last year he was still coming off the ACL from the year before. Um, I, You know, I was really worried about I, I, As you guys know, I, I really thought the Vikings should have kept either Rhodes or, or Waynes um, or even Mac Alexander. Uh, in retrospect, that was a, that was a good move that they they didn't keep any of them. I mean, Wayne's is out for the year, I guess, in Cincinnati now. Mm-hmm. Tore a peck, right? Um, so I'm still worried about the 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 lack of experience there. But it looks like just on early returns, and again, it's it's still so hard to say because they've they've had played no competitive football. It's just been training camp stuff. So. It, it, we'll see what happens, you know, next Sunday, but it, it's encouraging if nothing else. I mean, it, it's at least there's there's signs of optimism there. O- outside, unlike the O line, I'm not going to go back and beat this horse to death. But <coughs> you've got Brian O'Neill, and and I think Bradbury is going to be better. But there's a lot more question marks, I think, still on the offensive line than there probably is in the defensive secondary right now. And I wasn't sure that was going to be the case. Well, for when, the defense, when training camp was going to start. For those young guns in the corner room, you have two things that are going to benefit them. One, you have the two best safeties in the league, right, or two of the top three, in Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris. They're going to back them up just like they backed up the poor play from Rhodes and Waynes last year. They're going to back them up. They're also going to mentor them. Harrison Smith is great at communication. He knows, he spots, you know, what the offense is running, and he's going to tell those guys real quick. And then on the front end, now that you have Hunter on the left and Ngakwe on the right, and then moving Ifadi into the three-tech position, especially on pass downs, we're going to get some pressure up the middle, which doesn't give quarterbacks a lot of time to throw, which will affect how the corners play because it makes the job easier for them. I think all around that helps them. I, you know, I'm not I'm not putting down Anthony Harris or, or Harrison Smith. I, I agree with you. They're two of the three best safeties. But I and and their mentor role um, in helping those young guys learn the the defensive system is fine. But to say they can help guys out on an island yeah, they can help guys make a tackle after they've been burned for 15 or 20 yards. I, I think that's that's been said, and I I just think that's a little bit more overrated than um, than people are saying. They they still have to be able to play the game. I you can't rely sure. on Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris to to help you in coverage unless you're playing like something like a two deep or whatever. You still have to be able to to cover your man off the line of scrimmage. You have to be able to bump him off his route. You still have to be able to do the things that a Mike Zimmer cornerback has to do. And 
we don't know if they're going to be able to. It's encouraging. I mean, I, I'm not saying they, they won't be able to do the job. I'm not saying they will. We just don't know yet because they haven't, you know, we haven't even seen a, a preseason game yet because there's no preseason. But I thought it was funny. One of the first highlights that came out of camp this year was Cam Dantzler intercepting <clears throat> the star quarterback, Kirk Cousins, and Dave can't call him just the quarterback. You know he's got to get that dig in there, the star quarterback. I know. I you know how he does but, that? But it had that? it had to have pissed off Kirk because it's like, why are you showing me getting picked off? I don't think he most quarterbacks way, don't, don't care. Here, here's my deal with the corners. I think the problems that the corners are going to have maybe the on the Early first half of the season. Uh, I think warrior problems with the corners, Ted, are going to be scheme problems, not talent, because all these guys, right. all these guys can play their ass off. I mean, let's look back at my draft sheet. Gladney and Dantzler are both two of the top ten guys in the entire draft, corner wise. We got talent coming in there, and I think, I think, what they can make up for in brain farts, they can make up for in talent. Um, I'm just thinking maybe being out of position, getting burned on a play. That's going to be the bigger problem until they learn the scheme more than more than a talent thing. Does that make any sense? Or yeah, very much so. And and by all accounts, it's not easy to learn as a defensive back. I've I've read a lot from a lot of different sources that it's it's not easy to learn Mike Zimmer's defensive scheme as a defensive back. So there, you know there's got to be a learning curve. And Harrison Smith, when the game starts. That guy's got a ton of responsibility. It's going to be, look, kid, take care of your own shit and don't fuck it up. Yeah, he's probably. not going to be following Dantzler around, you know, making sure he doesn't have any. Garrison Smith has a ton of other shit to worry about. He does. Yeah, he does. he's got to say, Cameron, God burns your ass. He's burning you. I can't help. You know, there's only certain things when the game starts and the ball gets snapped you can do anymore. But I, I imagine at practice, if if everybody's smart at practice, if those corners are picking the brain of those safeties and saying. What do I, you know? What are you seeing when they line up like this? What are they running? That's what you want to see. You want to be able to take the reads, know your reads, and then be be able to defend against it. And if if the safeties help them spot those correct reads and that this is going to be a fly or a cut or whatever or what to look for, and then they pick that up, their learning curve speeds up. And I I hope. That's the case. This year, well, we didn't get to is, see Zimmer chew any of them out, which well, is unusual. Well, listen, the way the schedule plays out, the fact that we're playing that Aaron Rodgers week one, mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers toys with corners. He gets out of the pocket, and he makes you get off your man, and then he throws that 40-yard pass, and the guy's wide open. Why is he wide open? Because the corner cheated off him to get to get the corner. He does it to all of them. He's done it to – and Zimmer – told Waynes and Rhodes, they used to protect against that really well. They knew about that. So these new corners, say what you want about Rodgers. They're going to get tested early with the weird shit that he does. And it's a good thing. It's a mm-hmm. good thing that they get tested. I mean, why not? You only get better getting thrown to the fire. So and we'll you know the crowd happens. at U.S. Bank will be going wild. So <laughs> Four people? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, you know, that's. I think that's one of the reasons I'm just not Fired up about the year. Ted, who's Ted? Who's playing that other linebacker spot besides Byron Hendricks? Who's got that? I would think Eric Wilson. I mean, I, I haven't really read a whole lot about linebackers in camp. I was just looking at who they have. They got Troy Dye, 
Hardy Nickerson, David Reese II, and Wilson. I mean, Wilson played it a lot last year after um, Gideon was hurt. So I, I, I would think, I would think it's Eric Wilson. Maybe, maybe I'm off on that. Maybe I, there's something I missed there. Yeah, and Benji's starting the season on the pump, which means he's going to be on at least six weeks. So Wilson at the other linebacker spot, and the defensive tackles are uh, Stefan and Johnson. Two yeah, more? yeah, probably. Early downs. Passing That's, downs, yeah, I that, see. Dave, you mentioned. Effetti coming in at three tech. That's yeah. kind of scary, guys. Yeah, and that, they may even pull Stefan at that point. Out. Huh? What's the name of that dude sitting out? Pierce? Pierce. Yeah, Michael Pierce. Yeah, that that, that hurt the Vikings. That was a good yeah. signing. I, yeah. But well, I, I don't blame him. He's got severe oh, asthma. And, I get it. Yeah. Could have been. I mean, been. At least it wasn't 10 or 11 guys, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah like true. the Patriots. But they had like seven opt out. But, I, you know, Drew, you were talking about Aaron Rodgers and and the the tests the Vikings are going to have to go up against. They got Aaron Rodgers week one, <clears throat> Phillip Rivers in the in the Colts week two, Tannehill and the Titans. Of course, they went to the AFC Championship last year week three. Now, Deshaun Watson. hold on, hold on, Ted. Yeah, yeah. I asked on the previous. Hold, show. hold, hold your horses. <laughs> I asked that. on the on, previous man. show, is Tannehill was his performance last season a flash in the pan? Or is he a late bloomer that has suddenly gotten good? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of his success had to do with uh, Tennessee just giving the ball to, to Derrick Henry and letting him just pound people into oblivion last year. And didn't Derrick um, Henry just sign a an extension? Yeah, I think he did. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I that's a good question. We'll find out. Mm-hmm. I, I mean. The point is, you're saying they're going to get tested, and they're going to get tested early. Early. Yeah. After that, they got Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, ah. Matt Ryan. I mean, that's a that's a gauntlet they're going to have to run. Is that murderer's row? Can we call it that? But and then Aaron Rodgers again in Green Bay. Yeah, but if they get past that first part of the season into the bye, and they're doing good, say they're four and two, I think we've got it made at that point because it gets easier after that. Oh. <laughs> Supposedly. Okay. Quarterback-wise. till we hit Tom Brady. Can't wait till we play the Broncos. That's going to be a easy win. <laughs> For those of you that don't remember, I, I called that last year. And, of course, the Vikings went down the tubes early. And it, took, and it took a huge comeback from Kirk Cousins to win that. I can't one. believe I'm sitting here with two of my favorite bros doing this. Not, this is great. That you mean you mean not Kirk Cousins, Dave, don't you mean the starting quarterback? quarterback? Yes, Kirk Cousins. When he intercepted our star quarterback. Oh, that's right, star quarterback. My bad. Come on, man, Dave. <laughs> what about when he went 21 for 23 and Dave was ripping on him cuz he threw two incompletions? <laughs> well, yeah, but not a single pass went over 9 yards. Oh, you guys are killing me. Stitches are popping. Careful. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I I guess, you know, the, the, the main thing for me is you could kind of gauge. I think you could get a good feeling of how the team's going to be at least by, um, not, not, you can't get a full picture, but you can at least get a snapshot 
by watching the preseason games. And and I, I just there's there's so many unanswered questions for the Vikings that it's and you know you're gonna have the that it that it's hard for me to to kind of gauge where they are. I think they have the potential to be really good. Um, and then you've got the whole weird dynamic with no or very few fans in the stands, and you know all the right. the, the COVID nineteen mitigation stuff they're gonna be doing. I it's just this season has just a weird feel for it to me. Super Bowl, baby. <laughs> Hey, if we can't get there in any other normal year, let's get there in the abnormal year. I, I will say one thing I, I I actually do applaud the NFL for on is I thought by now um, that there would have been two or three teams with multiple COVID-19 outbreaks. Yeah. Because you saw that with, I mean, when, when college teams started coming back, you saw that with, with, I think it was Clemson and Alabama. A few other teams had 15, 20 players. Or, or personnel, I don't know if they were all players, uh, or or more that were infected with COVID. And, and other than that one uh, false positive story where, right. you know. 77 that, people in the league. Yeah, that, that they all turned out false positives. I think I saw a thing this morning. There's been less than five, I think, total positive COVID-19 cases. And there's wow. only one. NFL. And as of last Wednesday, there was only one person across the entire NFL that was still on COVID IR, and that includes support staff, the clubs. You're looking over 200, 200 to 250 personnel per club, and there was only one. So so where I thought the NFL was maybe going to get to play a week or two and then all absolute chaos was going to break out with teams getting infected and not being able to play or field a roster, I don't feel nearly that concerned about it as I did a month ago. I, I, I think it's very encouraging that it looks like, at least if they keep these procedures and processes in place, whatever it is that they're doing, that there's a good chance we're going to get a full NFL season in. So, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren, take note and play football this year. How come we're not watching college football right? Hey, turn on college football! Well, wasn't there games on today? Other leagues yeah, they were playing? Yeah, Marshall was you know playing. What? If the Big Ten ain't playing, nobody's playing, man. Yeah, that's true. Anyways, but I digress on that. But I, I bottom line is I, I think it looks a lot better for the NFL um, to be able to pull this thing off when I, I was more than 50% sure that they weren't going to be able to play a full season and it was going to be a lot of chaos and man. just yeah, get, weird. Get eight or ten guys every week going out on COVID. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Revolving door. You got, you know, a bunch of washed out guy third stringers playing. That's kind of what I was thinking a month ago. But I, I feel I'm kind of in agreement. I feel a little bit more confident about it going into the uh, football in a week. Well, Ted, are you getting excited about this season? No, I'm not. <laughs> Still not. I, I, for all the reasons I just kind of talked about. Maybe when the games start. I mean, I, there's a game Thursday. I'll I'll check it out probably. Um, yeah, oh, he's, I, he's watching. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, well, it's just, you know, normally I'm, I'm fired up by this time of year because, you know, there's, there's the NFL milestones. You got free agency and then the draft, and then you've got your first look with the mini camp and the OTAs and then camp starts and, and you, you know, then you, you get a preseason game or two and yeah, there's just been none of that. So I, I have, you know, the, the stuff I usually do to, uh, to get mentally kind of fired up for the season those those milestones or markers haven't been there for me. Maybe 
maybe it'll be, you know, maybe it'll be there when, when I, when, when next Sunday rolls around. But when our star quarterbacks tearing up the team from Wisconsin's defense. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens, man. And he doesn't throw those two incompletions. And U.S. Bank Stadium, which should be interesting to watch a game with empty seats. I, yeah, are they going to? So are they going to pipe noise in? They, I read a story that they were talking about doing that. Are they going to let them do that? Yes, but the question is at what decibel level? Because they Dude. they said it's it's real low, and that they should, that we'll be able to hear the coaches calling plays. It's that low type deal. They should they should wow. be punching in freaking Motorhead at five hundred, or Motorhead. like <laughs> at hundred zombie hundred ten <laughs> decibels. Yes, but little Iron jump. Maiden. Run to the yeah! house. You imagine that? <laughs> in God's yeah, way cool. with the fumble return with the trooper in the background. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Better. I'm yeah. sold. That sold. that would just be that would just be weird, man. I mean, you know, it's it, it's and it, and it, you know, it's weird for us. Imagine how that's going to be for the players. I mean, I, I don't care what anybody says, but but you can feed off crowd emotion, and that can get you pumped up, and it and it can be. Uh, a momentum changer. We were talking about the Denver game earlier mm-hmm. and how the crowd started getting – you guys remember how as the Vikings started, you know, you had that big play, that big touchdown to Diggs. Right. To sort of spark things, and the crowd sort of started getting into it. It'll be interesting to see if if you get down by 10 or 14 points and then, you know, you make a what looks to be a big play, but there's no crowd reaction. Does that, does that momentum translate? Does it carry over? It's going to be one of the That's interesting things to see – for for the NFL this year. I don't know. That's where hockey has really hit it out of the park. If you watch some of these games, when there's a scrum around the net or an actual goal, the crowd noise, who's ever running that crowd noise, is running it to the action that's on the ice. They are, yeah. That's it, Yeah, they are. That's really, really cool. well. It's really cool how they do it. I mean, it makes it almost like, I mean, if there was, the only thing that, that takes you away is you see that there's no, you can see there's no crowd. So visually, but if, if you, you know, if you couldn't see where the crowd was sitting, you would think the crowd was there. And I, I like how the NHL has done it with with the seats, where they just covered them up and, and used them as advertising or whatever. I think those cutouts in baseball are kind of dumb. I don't I don't like them. But <laughs> well, in me. Denver, I live in Denver, as you know, as viewers know, um, the Broncos are selling season ticket holders the right to buy a cutout of themselves oh, to put in the wow. seats. Are you serious? Yeah. Are people are paying money for that too? People are paying money to have their picture taken, made into a cutout, and stuck in the seats. Wow. Mm-hmm. Big old cutout of John Elway with his grill. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, It's going to be interesting, boys. Let's, yeah, it is. Let's wrap this up. I'm just glad Ted's back. And fire up the Ted's back on this show. Thanks for uh, Thanks for scratching my itch, boys. This is a lot of fun. It Ted is. We miss Hold it. On. We miss it terribly. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> <Ted> <laughs> <Lover>! <laughs> Woo! Last words, Drew. Well, I'm out biking, Kyle. Oh, that felt really good. <laughs> Ted. Let's light this candle. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for joining us for this GMG special. Have a great week. Let's get ready for hate week. We've got a game coming up. Skull, baby! (laughs) Later, guys.
watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.